Kanchan Viradhamma, members of the Sangha and uh, community, visitors, guests. Uh, uh, thank you and ask for this opportunity to, to talk a little bit on the Dhamma. Um, <clears throat> there have been a, a couple of, of themes that um, have, have been of interest to me uh, for some for some time, some more recent. Because I, I, I feel that relationship is important, how one relates. Uh, how relationships work and what what makes them um, more of a blessing than a curse. Because um, I think all of us if we've arrived somewhere like this, uh, are interested in not wasting our lives, <clears throat> wasting this opportunity that we recognize that we have of, <clears throat> of the power and the freedom which is a human birth. We don't want to, you know, what I felt at 16 was that I didn't want to die having felt that this whole thing was a waste of time. <laughs> that's, that's, because it was obviously peculiar enough and strange enough and you know, given my accent and my way that I was brought up, I felt privileged enough to feel I didn't want to waste it and I didn't know quite what to do. So. There's, um, there's something about relationships and how to relate to life that makes it worthwhile, gives it value, um, gives it, um, makes it noble, which the, you know, the, the Dharma Chakrabhavatana Sutta sets out so clearly. It's, uh, one time at Harnam, I think in, I can't remember where, Ajahn Sumedha was there, and he took me for a walk, and he said, Do you know what my arms are? Psst, psst. And uh, it's, um, it's, you know, it's the 12, um, Uh, relationships that are outlined in the in the um, uh, Dharma Chakrabhavatana Sutta, the, the the truths that make life worthwhile, give it value, make it noble, rather than um, unprofitable. Um, so. No, we, we, we hear them quite a lot. And the basic ones are, you know, 
it starts off with a relationship to the to the experience that we have that we're Life is uncomfortable, irritating, unsatisfactory. Um, I mean, associate, <coughs> irritated, separated from what we like, don't get what we want, experience you know, the stress of arriving somewhere. Becoming is, is not described as, as stressful, but birth is described as stressful. It's an interesting dis distinction. Mm -hmm. It is what we don't want. You know, there's conceiving, and that in itself isn't stressful. Becoming isn't described as stressful, but birth is stressful. Actually, when we've actually arrived, it's all a bit, what the heck's going on here? <laughs> is it really what I wanted? That sort of uh, thing, and, and then it, it all gets a bit stale, and then there's old age, sickness, and death, and things start losing their their, their sheen. Um, and you know, we we know that the relationship that that gives it gives life a nobility is. It's understanding it. Now, the, 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 the usual habitual response to, to pain and stress is to try to get rid of it, or gloss it over, or run away from it, or feel overwhelmed by it, or feel inadequate in, in relationship to it. And feeling overwhelmed makes us angry, Feeling um, uh, unprepared and inadequate it makes us greedy, <laughs> and these are these are not noble or worthwhile or worthy responses to dukkha. Trying to get rid of it <coughs> is not a noble response. It's not an Aryan response. It's not a worthwhile response. It gives no profit. Because the because of the, the basis of the Buddha's teaching is that there is causality, and the causes and conditions for something are there, the thing will be there, and if the causes and conditions for something are not there, the thing will not be there. That's the sort of basis of it. And of course, this stress, this stress, this feeling of discomfort, this feeling of of um, dukkha, unsatisfactoriness, um, is caused. So, you know, and the cause is, is that compulsion of tanha. We feel compelled, driven, um, blindly to get or get rid of or just keep moving, keep becoming. What's next? What's next? What's next? And that, that, and that compulsion, drivenness of thirst is the root cause of 
conceiving, which is fun, <laughs> becoming, which is exciting, <laughs> but <laughs> the, uh, the result is, of course, birth, which is disappointing. <laughs> and, uh, you get somewhere and you think, what the heck was that about? And uh, that's the, you know, conceiving, you know, conceiving that we're better than, conceiving that we're equal to, or conceiving that we're less than, all of it's conceiving. And it's all conceit. It's all, you know, making something. So, and that compulsion, that's the thing to be abandoned. Abandoned is is interesting because abandoning something is like you're just not interested anymore. It just not it's not it's not trying to get rid of it either, because that's that's another making another whole problem. It's just abandoning it, not not being fooled by it anymore. It's like this. And that that's that's noble and that makes it that that gives a good profit. Abandon feeling compelled to do stuff. Sense is I have to do this. It's not it's not going to make life worthwhile or profitable in the long time. It's not that you can't do stuff, because that's that's where the now the end of suffering I've been very interested in the last four aspects of the description of the end of suffering. You know, it's viraga niroda, yeah, chago pitanisago muti analio. You know, you've been chanting that sometimes. The Dhamma Chakapawatana Sutta. Those six six descriptions of the end of suffering, and that you know. What really gives life, you know, really turns a profit, really makes this human existence worthwhile and noble, is that being realized. Viraga, Niroda. Not, um, not tied up with. Raga, <laughs> with burning and and allowing allowing things to go cool, and then chago is is interesting. Chago is um, chaga is um, is the sense of of sufficiency that allows one to be generous. So I I like to think of that. Um, the sense of I've got enough to give. I can, I can. Chaga is about generosity and giving. And that, 
that sense of sufficiency that comes from that, because in that sense there's not a sense of, well, I need something to make me happy, or I need to get rid of something to make me happy, I can deal with this, I can cope, I can work with this. And that's, that's, that experience in, in oneself is a sense of, stress is not, it's, it's the ending of stress. <laughs> The sense of I can deal with this is an ending of stress. And that's something to be made made real. You know, because that's it's okay then. It's a sense of and then, you know, one can see where you know the roads to success work, you know, with um chanda, which is um that aspiration to um to do something, which is different from tanha, because it comes from a sense of, I can do this, I can aspire to this, I can give to this, I can, this, this, this is something that can happen. <laughs> and that's, that's an ending of stress, rather than, I've got to make this happen, otherwise I shall never be happy. I'll only be happy when this happens. How can I make, and that's, that's, you're just going to make more stress for yourself and other people. But Chaga is, and Chanda are, are skillful ways to aspire and to act, something seems to act, act from. And to experience, actually make that real in one's life. Actually realize that. Realize the end of suffering. And then, Chago Patinisago is, is relinquishing. Sometimes described as letting go, and I think it's to, I think it's also to do particularly with the relinquishing strong emotions of or strong pulls and pushes of of desire and anger. Because desire and anger, you know, stem from a sense of inadequacy. No, I, I, this is this will make me happy. Um, if I get this, then I'll be happy. That's that's the sort of right, uh, you know, the, the strong desire business, and then the, the opposite side of this. If I can get rid of this, then I'll be happy. You know, and that's that's when that's strong. It's um. That's that's. That's the cause of stress, but relinquishing that is um, the ending of stress. <laughs> it's something to be realized, to make real in one's life, that sense of um, I'm not driven anymore um, by feelings of inadequacy or being overwhelmed which goes back to the cause of suffering, tanha so relinquishing that and experiencing mukti which is freedom experiencing and actually realizing freedom freedom from those from the cause of suffering you know, so you, you, freedom from the cause of suffering and the capacity to 
understand this is dukkha. This is suffering. And not trying to get rid of it, but actually being free to let it cease. Let it end. Giving it the compassion to let suffering end. Giving it space to end. And then not not making further problems about it. Analia, not worrying about it further, not making dwelling places in the future, not not getting fixed on stuff, not getting not getting fixed on outcomes worrying and fearing regretting and um, remorseful realize the end of suffering and then what to do people always want to know what to do give me something to do I'm somebody, I definitely need to do something and I'm not sure if it's the right thing or not. <laughs> and that goes round and round and round in one's thought process because that's all to do with thinking and time. And it's in creation in conceiving coming birth. But and, you know, I'm somebody who has to get rid of this, is another conceiving. I'm somebody who has to get enlightened. It's not, it's enlightenment is to the sense of self, is what Kemananda describes it as. It's not enlightenment, I don't get enlightened, enlightenment is to the sense of self. So, And what to do is, of course, make life noble and worthwhile and practice the Eightfold Path. <laughs> you, know, you know, if you want to know the, the best technique for your meditation or the best thing to do, practice the Eightfold Path because it takes practice. You know, right view is not something that one has, it's something that one practices. Samaditi. And it's that's a view or an assumption, a, a basis, something that you don't necessarily know. You know, it's an assumption. You don't know whether something's true when you make an assumption. It's an assumption. So you practice it. You practice the paradigm. The paradigm that's liberating is, of course, insight into the three characteristics in each of the Kuranatha. But if one, if one thinks that one is somebody, then it's good to practice the basic one of mundane right view, which is assuming that there is causality, assuming that if you do good things there'll be good results, assuming that there are things that you don't really understand, and beings and realms that are perhaps beyond your ken right now, assuming that there are beings that are awakened and can teach you. And if that's an assumption, then that will really help you Because that's an assumption that's in tune with the Dhamma. It's Samma. It's in tune with Dhamma. 
it's in tune with Dhamma because it leads to a sense of um, realization here and now. It's not time bound. It's it's inviting. It's beautiful. Um, it leads to a sense of peace and it's realizable each wise person for themselves. It's in tune with Dhamma, Samma. It's 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 in tune. It, it will make life worthwhile and noble. So you can go through the, the and it starts with right view. However one gets it, you know. For me it was just you know, something about the way that the bhikkhus interacted with each other when I saw them in Hampstead. It wasn't so much at Lumpur Cha. It was the way that the bhikkhus behaved around each other and with each other. That I thought, well this is these are people who are not living according to worldly aims and values. They're not they're not making their security in, in what most of society thinks gives them security and that was something that I felt there must be a way out and this, this is maybe something that I can support and I, I intended because they certainly needed support in those early days in Hampstead um, of some sort and I thought I'd just try for three months because I didn't think I'd be able to stick it out for longer and as I tell people it's been a really long three months <laughs> it's, uh, it's uh, but because it wasn't my intention because I didn't think I'd be able to survive but these guys seem to be, be doing it and I thought well at least I'll try a little while and then work out what I want to do next not thinking I'd be able to stay but um, that, you know, because if you really want to see, you know, how your spiritual life is going, it's in how you relate to others and to yourself. Are, in general, unwholesome qualities not increasing and actually decreasing in your relationship with yourself and other people? your family, your friends and are wholesome qualities maintaining and increasing the description of right effort if that's happening then your spiritual life is going fine don't worry about insights don't worry about how long you can sit on your cushion or walk meditation though that certainly will help the quality of your meditation, but actually how it translates into society is what will will really show where the benefit is. Um, so those those were the those are the, the thoughts you know, about particularly about the end of suffering, which I think we don't we don't tend to talk about too much. We sometimes talk about dukkha, and we talk about the cause of dukkha, and we talk about the path, but 
Chandrapati and Sukhamuti and Alaya. What do they really mean? That sense of realizing the end of suffering. Chago, that sense of, I can give. I have enough to give. Because if you, and that's, that sense of having enough, in the sense of, I can do this. I can train, I can give energy, life, intention and attention to this. And this is enough. Now I'm not looking for perfect, but I'm looking for sufficient to be able to do this. And then I'm not stuck with thinking that somehow things are inadequate and I need to get something or I need to get something better or I need to get rid of something. I can't do it. Yeah? I can't do it until I get to a better place. I can't do it until I've sorted everything out. That's never going to work. Is it enough that you can give to? And you can relinquish those feelings of inadequacy and recognize and realize freedom and not be too concerned or worried about the future or fearful or regretful. I can do it. And then in your relationship is noble. You've got, you're relating to dukkha by it's there, it is to be known, it has been known. The um, cause, the cause is, there is a cause, it is to be relinquished, it has been relinquished, has been abandoned. The cessation is to be, there is a cessation, it does end when the causes are gone. It is to be realised, it has been realised. The path, there is a path, there is a way, there is something you can do. And you get consistent about it, consistency is sama samadhi, it's about not stopping. No, don't stop until we get to the real, really to the end. That's the, that's the encouragement. Just keep going, keep going. Consistency, consistency. It is to be practiced. It has been practiced, and that's what arahants know. Arahants, you know that that's the that's the practice of the arahant. The, the truly worthy one, the people who've really grown up, and the people who are really mature, the people who are no longer mad. The rest of us are slightly, or more or less, uh, confused. And so we make stress for ourselves and others. But another sort of way of looking at how one knows things is another thing that I've been uh, analyzing or trying to trying to look out for a few years and I've tried to check to see whether it's okay and it's it seems to be okay with the sort of traditional teachings it was particularly it's analysis that particularly is about meditation initially but I sort of have adapted it so it's a bit maybe it's a bit heretical but I'm told that it's okay I've tried to check with Pali scholars and this is a a way of something that I find humbling, which is about how do you know something? About what arahants know, but you know, just us regular guys. Maybe how do you know something? And this, you know, in your meditation, it's to do with it's arising, its properties, the bait, 
um, the uh, danger and the escape. Yeah, that's that's the way that it's those five things. Now, if you if you if you use that analysis for for more ordinary mundane things, it's a way of of for me it's a way of humbling because I recognise how little I know, and it's one of the faculties that humans have is to know that they don't know. <laughs> that's I think an important faculty. It's a, it's a, it's in the twenty-two faculties. If you chant the funeral chanting, um, knowing that you don't know, and um, I find it helpful because to really know something, I feel that, you know, you know its its origin, its properties, what you want, the benefit or the blessing you can get from it, the danger of it, and how to relate to it so you get the blessing and don't get caught in the danger. You know, the very simple thing is something like a knife. You know, it has a certain origin, it comes, from the, it comes from the drawer in the kitchen. But maybe it comes from somewhere before that, and it comes from somewhere before that, this is the origin of the knife. And then it has certain properties. You know, it works well if you chop the vegetables, it doesn't work well if you chop your fingers, or if you stab somebody with it. So how do you relate to it so you get the benefit and don't get caught in the danger? And that's, that's a knife. That's one sort of very simple tool. But you can extend that to an analysis of, of, of more than that. You know, you can take it um, you know, to a motor car, um, its origin, its properties, the benefit you can get from it, the danger, how to relate to it so you get the benefit and don't get caught in the danger. And then you can, you can take it a bit further and things like um, money origin, its properties, the benefit you can get from it, the danger of it, how to relate to it so you get the benefit and don't get caught in the danger. You know, and then you can you can also analyse, you know, even simple, you know, more complex things like even something like the Buddhist religion. Its origin, its properties, the benefit you can get from it, the danger how to relate to it so you get the benefit and don't get caught in the danger. Because everything comes from somewhere, comes from due to causes and conditions, it has certain properties. There's a way of relating it so that you don't, that, you know, it's something that attracts you to it. Some things have less attraction than others, but everything has some sort of new something. Some things have dangers, water, origin, properties, the benefit you can get from water, the danger of water, how to relate to it so you get the benefit and don't get caught in the danger. Um, ideas, emotions, um, I find it humbling because I recognise how little I actually know about what's going on. And then, you know, the intention is the is to bring blessings rather than it to be a curse. So that one's life is is something that one feels is blessed because being alive is, is an incredible blessing. You know, it's so much better than being dead. It's <laughs> you know, because your opportunity for, for for awakening is there. You know, it's it's frustrating, it's irritating, it's difficult. You know, the, the freedom of of the intentions that humans can create and do 
you know, the freedom to practice and generate causes and conditions that lead to the end of suffering, you know, that's their power. That's the a human being, if it works well. Ajahn Buddhadasi used to call it a happiness creator. Because <laughs> if it works well, it generates... You know, and the happiness that's beyond is what humans can realize more effectively than any other being. Their capacity for liberation is that much greater. And that is a blessing. And yet, we so often... <laughs> it doesn't work like that, because we, we don't know how to relate to this thing called life. We're not sure about its origin. We're not even quite sure about its properties. We recognize there can be some blessings. We don't know quite what the dangers are. And then we don't know how to relate to it, so we generate the, the life as a blessing rather than a curse to ourselves and others and to the planet and to all beings. And that's, that's humbling, you know, because in each moment the possibility is there. And we spend an incredible amount of energy in painfully ignoring what's happening. And then we wonder why they're stressed. You know, one of the one of the things that we, we ignore heat an awful lot, it's incredibly important, is the fact that we're breathing. <laughs> and it's really important, because if you're not breathing you're in trouble. <laughs> and yet for most of the time we don't we just ignore it. And yet you know that if you know whether you're breathing in or breathing out, just that amount of awareness in a moment changes the amount of aliveness one experiences. You know, and it's a very, very simple thing. It doesn't take a considerable amount of training. But it's just that there's more aliveness in the moment in this being when one knows whether one's breathing in or breathing out. <laughs> so, and, uh, and it changes how one is. And this is interesting. Because there's a whole heap more that we're ignoring. <laughs> and it's something we're doing. You know, not doing something is actually doing something. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's and it, we're because we're confused and we're in pain. You know, we, we, we don't understand dukkha. We're not abandoning the causes of dukkha no, we're not realizing the cessation of dukkha and we're not practicing the path so we wonder why <laughs> wonder why there's pain but it's possible and we can do it and that's the sense of chakra I can do this it's possible you can abandon experience freedom and not worry and make problems so and the knowing that we don't know is already a type of knowing. So acknowledging that we don't know is a great, great step. And then knowing that we don't know <laughs> is, is, you know, the knowing of the knowing. And that, that's for, it's another faculty that we have to know, to rest in the sense of knowing. So I encourage you to practice being alive <laughs> and uh, and practice realizing the end of suffering.
because that's um, practice the path and realize the end of suffering, make that real. Um, practice the Eightfold Path. Right speech, right action, right livelihood. Right thought, the thought of non-exploiting, not exploiting and not harming. And the person who most needs that is of course the person you live with all the time. So wish, remember that you wish yourself well. Because coming here on Monday, and that's certainly something you wish yourself the highest blessing. And uh, remember, other beings also wish you the highest blessing. It's something that's been happening since the time of the Buddha. The Buddha offered the path, offered the training, offered the way of thought that um, can lead to the end of suffering. This is a little bit of a reflection and I hope that it hasn't led to more confusion and more stress in yourself or other beings. Anyone?